Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's my show. Hey. Put a little... I never get this line out the first time. It's not even good. Hey. Put a little... Put a little bit more in there, cowboy. And the bulldog. What's your degree in? Kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back. Glad to have you. We're in different seats today. I'm home. Bulldog is at the uh, station. You are right. You are at the yes, I radio station uh, today. yes, I am. Yes, I'm here. I, I, I'm just got an interesting, if not disturbing. <laughs> Update downstairs. My wife is leaving shortly to go to our daughter's basketball game. My son is here, and she informed me that he will be cooking while she leaves, and I sit up here talking to you. Okay. So that's a first. What is a first? uh, I think it's just something... I, I think it's something store-bought that sits in our freezer. I don't think there's anything more to this than putting it in the oven and monitoring it mm-hmm. and, you know, watching, making sure there's no smoke or anything bad happening. So he's not as so uh, much... I'm still co- not taking anything for granted. So he's not so much cooking as he's warming something up. Yes, but not in the microwave. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Right. But he's so not. He doesn't have an still ingredient. On, still there's, on an early level. There's no imme- uh, no immediate danger of uh, an ingredient list and a mixing bowl and uh, other utensils. It's mostly just pops up in the oven. Right. That is cooking. You're cooking it. But right. Yeah. It's not preparing as much. We'll as call this cooking on a second grade level. How about that? It's not. <laughs> it's not the microwave. It's not. You know, mixing uh, iced tea mix with water. It's a little bit more. But I should. Just, I was put on notice that the oven will be on. While I'm upstairs talking to you. We'll keep an eye on uh, that. Everybody knows. (laughs) Yes. Joining us now on the Wester Hotline is Chris Trapasso, NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports. We don't want to rush things, Chris, and we won't because we'll get into Bill Steelers here with you. But I'm sure, I think, if we need need you on the 2024 NFL draft, you're, you know, at least mostly ready to go? Uh, I'm a little behind of where I normally am. Like, CBS had me do more general NFL writing this season, which I've loved, and certainly being in the western New York area with the Bills securing the two-seed, it's been a little bit more fun um, being able to write about the Bills. They have an article coming out tomorrow, or actually Saturday, on the Bills. Um, but So, yes, so by the time you guys are reaching out March, April, um, maybe even a little earlier than that, around the Combine, I'll be probably ridiculously deep into this 2024 draft class. 
Well, so okay, wh- wh- well, we won't go too hard then on Keon Pullman. <laughs> right, today. right, right. Okay. Yeah, I was talking you up. I, I said you'd be ready to talk about the 2024 class right after the 2023 draft or maybe even before it was over. So uh, I didn't mean to put you in a bad spot on, on that front, Chris. Um, well, so covering the team that way this year then, writing about the team this year as you have been, um, I don't know, what's the ride been like from your perspective that they ended up where they ended up here in, I think, as good a spot as they've been in any one of these four years where they've been a Super Bowl contender? Yeah, that's a really good question and a good point. To me, the biggest takeaway that trying to look outside the box, um, I mean, obviously the, the roller coaster start and the, the lull in the middle and getting hot down the stretch um, was the way that when all the injuries hit, from the Dolphins game in week four to the Jaguars game the following week with Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, my biggest takeaway was how well a lot of those Tyrell Dodsons um, have ultimately played, guys that were thrust into the lineup that at first were liabilities, and it seemed like, man, maybe this is just the year where the Bills are too snake-bitten by those injuries. Tim Settle, Puna Ford playing down the stretch late. It seems like though, like a lot of the depth pieces that – uh, the Bills maybe weren't going to want to rely on as much as they did, have really kind of settled into their groove and together are playing as a cohesive unit. So to me, like that was the biggest takeaway that I had, that we reached that point after the Broncos game where it's like maybe the depth is just not very good to then suddenly, hey, maybe Tyrell Dotson is actually a very good run defender and maybe the rotational depth behind Daquan Jones is actually pretty good. And we saw – in Week 18 against the Dolphins, Russell Douglas goes down. Dane Jackson steps up. Yeah, he had a pass interference, but he also had a pass breakup and three tackles. I think that was a testament to Sean McDermott's scheme, the offensive scheme, and then just the job that Brandon Bean did in the offseason, filling in the Leonard Floyds, the Taylor Rapps, um, and you know Tyrell Dotson's other players that I've already mentioned. That was really a fascinating development. Um, in the regular season for the Bills to me. Yeah, rap to me for most of the season, Chris, I I was fearful. I felt like he was just like a, a a targeting a defenseless receiver penalty waiting to happen when he was on the field. And not that that can't be effective for you, but still, right? Um, and there he is making big plays down the stretch in the Miami game and obviously the game-sealing interception. And that's been a cool little wrinkle, like him playing, especially now with Hyde back healthy and Poyer having a little more positional flexibility to come mm-hmm. up and be more in the box at times. Yeah, it seemed like beyond just the players getting acclimated to being in more full-time-ish roles, it seemed like it took a couple games for Sean McDermott to understand, okay, maybe I can't use Tyrell Dotson like I do Matt Milano. I mean, that's just not going to be the case with, with the coverage ability, the athleticism, the fluidity. Same deal with Taylor Rapp, who was kind of down the stretch, a third safety who was on the field a fair amount. And like you mentioned, being able to use Jordan Poyer as more of a linebacker and a blitzer off the edge, Micah Hyde even at times blitzing, um, and then acclimating Rasul Douglas into the defense after the trade deadline. I think it just took a few games, maybe almost a month, for Sean McDermott also defensively to understand what these new pieces, what they could do, what their limitations were, um, and obviously down the stretch the offense clicked in that Dolphins game outside of the turnovers in the red zone, but the defense against the Cowboys, against the Chiefs, and against the Dolphins, um, I thought was very, very good and as important as the offense um, in the Bills' current five-game winning streak. With Chris Trapasso, you mentioned earlier all the um, 
the ways that you think the Bills deserve credit for what this has been, the players' performance, but also scouting and Brandon Bean's role in it and Sean McDermott with his scheme. Also, I would add, I'm sure you'd agree, I mean, McDermott is a teacher here yeah. with these guys because it gives, it gives Bills fans, I think, or at least me, the confidence that most of these injuries, I've, I've learned this this year, by the way, after sort of not taking defense to be that important relative to offense in, in the past, but just how it gives you the confidence almost that anybody can go in and get the job done, whether that's Dodson or Bernard before Dodson and then Bale Inspector, except for Kyer Elam, I guess. I don't know. Uh, they're, ironically, like the, a first-round pick <laughs> is somebody that, nope, we can't have this. But um, really, I mean, is it how big of a story is it that the Bills' defense has held up uh, for, on top of what you maybe have said already, given how many losses they've had in terms of uh, injuries? Yeah, I think it's huge, and more to your point, uh, how about the development and the teaching that you're mentioning about Sean McDermott with Christian Benford? I mean, he leads the team in pass breakups, sixth-rounder from Villanova. I I was one when he was coming out. I I loved his ball skills, didn't think he was a great athlete, and was, I don't want to say on the bandwagon because there wasn't much of one there, but believed that he would probably move to safety and could be a good safety as the Bills were maybe looking ahead given the ages of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And he's become one of the better playmaking young outside cornerbacks in the NFL. So I think that's a huge story. We had three or four years where the Bills were rolling the dice on these Gregory Rousseau and Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen, these big, freaky specimens early in the draft. This year, you get the undrafted guys like Tyrell Dotson, the six-rounders like Christian Benford, Taylor Rapp, who signed a very cheap deal in free agency, even Cam Lewis coming in with a couple pass breakups late in garbage time in that Cowboys game. I think – the scheme certainly helps, but absolutely to your point, Sean McDermott over the last six years has proven that he is a very good teacher and his assistant coaches, especially on the defensive side, certainly seen some development with the offense with Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid um, as well. But it, it's definitely a place where they can draft these players and they actually seem to get better, which is, I think, actually pretty rare in today's NFL. It says a lot, I think, about how good Terrell Bernard has been all year, that mm-hmm. you, you sort of run through this list. I'm not accusing you of omitting him on purpose or anything, but like I think we sort of just have grown accustomed to, yeah, he's pretty excellent, I, I think, mostly. And so it's no longer a surprise that you got to point out how good he's been, because I, I, at least I think he's been really, really good for them. Yeah, and I think... Um, Part of the reason why he won that starting middle linebacker job, and we've seen it throughout the season, you can see it probably 10 to 15 times a game before the snap on defense. Terrell Bernard is the one that's calling out motions and you know the, the opponent sends two players in motion or whatever the case may be, and, and he's signaling to the defense what audible they need to make. I think his mind was even further ahead of anything that he could do athletically and then it turns out that he maybe gets engulfed sometimes by bigger blockers, but he's quick, he has good instincts, um, and he's not really undersized for a modern-day linebacker. He's kind of been the glue, him and Taron Johnson, I think, in the middle of that Bills defense, doing a lot of different things in coverage, as a blitzer, he has a bunch of sacks, some interceptions. Um, I Very true that this is someone that was like, hey, third-round pick, I wasn't crazy high on him. I don't think most of Bills fans were – crazy high on him either thought maybe he was picked a round or two too early but Sean McDermott maybe saw the mental side during the scouting process of how quick he processes what's in front of him and how 
integral that is from having Luke Keekley to Tremaine Edmonds to Matt Milano having that piece in the middle of his defense. Yeah, we're talking about their depth here, and they may take it out for another spin on Sunday. We'll see what the weekend brings, but the injury report is lengthy, and there are some newer names on it, like Gabe Davis has has, has not been a frequent name on that report. If he can't play in this game, is Trent Shurfield to you just like a straight plug-and-play replacement? I think he is, and I'll go a step further. This is I was on a, a podcast earlier this week, I'm in the, and maybe it's minority. I am of the belief that the offense is better when Gabe Davis is not on the field. Now, I, I get how that sounds crazy. You look at his stats, the four touchdowns against the Chiefs in the uh, playoffs a few years ago. There were just too many games watching on film, and you guys saw this. You know, no catches, no targets. Yeah, there's a good block on the outside here or there, but Trent Shurfield is over six foot, around 200 pounds. He's not much smaller. He's going to run those deep routes. He has pretty good speed he's not a four six guy he ran in the four fours coming out of Vanderbilt um now previously I would say he doesn't have the same rapport with Josh Allen that Gabe Davis has but I think if if anyone could point out one clear problem this season with Gabe Davis and Josh Allen is they haven't had that connection they've missed they've Mm -hmm. miscommunicated on some pretty big plays so I think when Gabe Davis is not out there and he was running the most routes of any Bills receiver um it really forces the defense to have to truly pay attention to every single option. Khalil Shakir um, as that main secondary guy, Dalton Kincaid, of course, Dawson Knox, the running backs out of the backfield. When Gabe's out there playing 95% of the snaps, he would have, what, he had four or five games with no catches and not even a target. I didn't see him getting open very often either. Um, Certainly you like the experience. He's been in a lot of playoff games. He's been good in the playoffs, but I've just seen – a Bills offense that is uh, more distributing the football to all of the options, which obviously makes it a much more difficult offense to defend against if you're the Steelers. Davis was DNP today for the second straight day. So was Rasul Douglas, by the way, and Taylor Rapp, who got hurt very late in the uh, the Dolphins game. With Chris Trapasso, the podcast you referred to, Dave Damashek, is that which, yes. which one you were referring to? Yep. Um, talking about this matchup, what did you come away thinking with respect to Bill Steelers and also what weather could do to this game? Yeah, I mean, it would probably be that. I mean, Dave was asking me about, like, you know, who is at a bigger advantage if there's bad weather, and I think it's obvious. Like, there were no gigantic takeaways that, that I don't think anyone else has thought of, uh, that if it's horrible weather and it's super windy, I think it, it doesn't – totally tip the scales where it's advantage Steelers, but I think it helps them a little bit more than it would help the Bills. The one thing I would like to see, if it is 25 to 40 mile per hour winds, if there is a fair amount of snow, for the Bills to lean into the natural advantage that they have with Josh Allen's arm. I I remember back to that Patriots win game, and yes, Mac Jones only threw two passes or three passes, whatever it was. But in the first half of that game, I remember like it seemed like the Bills were afraid to throw mm-hmm, the ball. And I think mm-hmm. this is why you drafted Josh Allen for specifically a game like this. And I remember when Brandon Bean drafted him, he specifically referenced a Wyoming game in a snowstorm that Josh Allen had a great game in his junior season. He's like, he's Buffalo. That's exactly why we dra- or a part of why the Bills drafted him. I think the Bills need to lean into it and say, all right, you know, maybe we are into the wind here, but we're not going to just 
run three straight plays up the middle, we're going to let Josh Allen have the ball in his hands. Um, the one thing I think is interesting is that I liked Mason Rudolph coming out, and I was certainly way wrong on my evaluation, but I liked that he was a quick decision maker, got the ball out fast, and then occasionally could hit that deep ball over the top. That's what he's done in these last three games for the Steelers, almost completing 75% of his passes, and he's had those three long touchdowns, two to George Pickens and one to Deontay Johnson, that have really been the one spark that they've needed offensively. I think they would need more than that on Sunday against the Bills, but that was one thing, just watching the film and then kind of looking at it through the lens of this game, that Mason Rudolph is kind of playing like he did at Oklahoma State, a lot of underneath, and then that one deep ball over the top. And he's got a decent arm too, right? Like, is is he someone you would expect to be able to Mm. cut it through the wind or no? No. His arm, so again, someone that really liked Rudolph coming out was wrong about his athleticism and his arm strength. Like, I didn't think that him not having a good arm and him not being a good athlete, which today sounds crazy, but at the time I was like, oh, you don't need that. Look at Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady. He does not have a strong arm. Now, in watching him this season over the last three games, I've noticed that I I think it's a bit stronger, but he has kind of a longer release. I don't think he's someone that the Steelers are going to say, all right, we're up against it here. We're going to just let you throw it three times on this drive. I, I do think they like his deep ball accuracy. They trust George Pickens to make those, you know, acrobatic catches and the speed of Deontay Johnson, even Calvin Austin, who's very fast, kind of their Isaiah McKenzie type player. Um, but no, I, I don't think he's someone that okay. you go into this game and say, hey, he's going to drive the football through the wind. And I remember that Patriots win game the same way you do. That As the game went on, it seemed like the Bills came to the realization, like, hey, our guy can throw it in this. Maybe we should do <laughs> yeah, some exactly. of that. I also wonder about him. I mean, we saw Josh Allen, what did he run it, 15 times uh, against Miami? Those weren't all designed runs, but plenty of them were. I would think having a quarterback that's like a six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound plow horse could be a pretty good idea in the snow if it comes to that. Yeah, definitely. And the Steelers, and this does not align with their history at all, but the Steelers linebacker group is kind of a tarnished group at this point. They've had a lot of injuries. They they signed Quan Alexander um, midway through the season. He tore, I think, his ACL or his Achilles on an interception or late in the game, like in November. Um, this is not a group that has that dynamic you know quarterback spy or what we normally have grown accustomed to watching Steelers defenses Minka Fitzpatrick will probably be back and maybe they could use him at times to kind of be that half linebacker half safety and spy Josh Allen but I think if you're the Bills offensive coaching staff and you're trying to game plan for this you're saying all right this is in the playoffs about as weak of a linebacker group as we're going to probably face if you're looking at Kansas City and, and a lot of the other defenses. So I totally agree that Josh Allen, even in the design run game or just like we saw in that third and 13, he reaches the top of his drop and then he just takes off and he should be able to pick up yards on the ground. I don't want to say at will, but this is not a game where it's like, uh, I, I don't think Josh Allen's going to be able to run because of what the Steelers have on the second level of their defense. It's funny thinking back to that New England game and how you said the Bills realized that some they, they sort of a light bulb went on and like we can throw it so we should do that 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 maybe went off this year for a while the, the light bulb they forgot maybe that you know Allen's prowess here and this this five game stretch where they've needed to win um, really it wasn't obvious that they were just going to lean on him so much but they did in Miami. And so um, I know that that's been a big curiosity of mine here 
as the season has played out is do they really want to be run heavy? Do they just not trust him? Where are we at? If we get a blizzard or something on Sunday, that might not be a great uh, in- indication of what, what they're thinking here. But um, they're, they're definitely live. 15 carries against the Dolphins. Did you know that he had that, that Carson Wentz had 17 carries on Sunday for the Rams? You guys? You guys I did know not. That? I didn't. I saw that the touchdown to Puka Nakua, and I was like, oh, yeah, Carson Wentz is playing this game. Did not know that he ran that much. That's insane. <laughs> Somehow he had 17 rushes uh, for the Rams <laughs> in the, the game against San Francisco. Very good. Chris, thanks for your time as always, and for sure we'll be talking about the draft whenever you're ready. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports. Rams, Lions, Bulldog. What do you think? Oh, I'm all over the Rams. I love, I love the Rams. Big Rams guy. I'm a big. I've, I've had a crush on Stafford since college. Uh, since he was in college, it'd be weird if I was crushing on Matthew Stafford before he was <laughs> born. Uh, so yeah, no, I loved him at Georgia and loved him in Detroit and was happy he won a Super Bowl. And I think this is really, really tasty. And I don't know if you know, it, it, you know, it matters who you're playing. I feel like the Rams are are right for this um, to to take Detroit down. So um, yeah, I'm 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 digging that game. That'll be that'll be fun. You know, we'll we'll do our post game thing on Sunday and catch the back half of Green Bay and Dallas. And then I can't wait to be saddled up to watch Rams and uh, Rams and Lions Sunday night. What about Saturday night? I don't know yet. I, I I'm honestly, um, I mean, I whatever. If, worst case scenario, I throw myself on a five ninety nine a month subscription for uh, Peacock, and you know, just stay home. Uh, but you know, I'm I Saturday night. My wife is starting to work nights beginning on Saturday, so she won't be around. Uh, not that it, it's a big, you know, her, her being home, uh, would keep me there necessarily. But, um, so I, I don't know friends. I'm, I, you know, I got a bartender that, that I know pretty well that I can text and see like, Hey, does the, does the cause do, like, do bars have peacock? Like, I, like, I don't know. Like you, I know of one that does. Okay. I know of one that does and I'm heading there. I think. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, well, clue me yes. in. Maybe I'll join you if it's not, uh, you know, is it on the island or is it, it you know, <laughs> in the city? I'll text you. Okay. All right. Thanks. Uh, but I'm an open book. Matthew Stafford. I, I can vouch. Bulldog has always liked Matthew Stafford. I always liked him less than, than Bulldog did. 2011. Here are your NFL awards winners. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. That happened other times more recently. Uh, Drew Brees, who was second for the MVP, won Offensive Player of the Year. Cam Newton won Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2011. Von Miller won 2011 Defensive Rookie of the Year. And the Comeback Player of the Year was Matthew Stafford. I don't know what he was coming back from in 2011. He'd been in the league for three years, but he won that award. Jim Harbaugh, coach of the year, by the way, in 2011. So, mm. yeah, that's you're right to clarify. When you were crushing on him in college, it was he that was in college. <laughs> right, right. Georgia? Yes, Georgia. Yeah. 
did um yeah it's right in the prime of my you know watching the uh the SEC on CBS and he you know he was the first pick in the draft so he he was someone that was on a lot uh when he was there so um yeah I always kind of dug him um so yeah that's where that's kind of where that started um wow comeback he had there's a famous sequence in a game pretty early in his Detroit career where he suffers a pretty gruesome shoulder injury and stays in and like either finishes the drive with a touchdown or maybe they go for two and he does, but he, he plays with like a separated shoulder or something. And maybe that knocked him out for the rest of the year. And then he came back from that. I don't know what he was coming back from. That was his rookie year. Oh, Could be. okay. That was his rookie year. He, he beat Brady Quinn and the Cleveland Browns okay. in the greatest game. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. No one watched. He did suffer another shoulder injury, though, in the 2010 season, uh, late in the 2010 season, though. Okay. Well, that's what the comeback well, was. Well, he only then. played he, he only played three games in 2010. Um, and that's – I'm looking at this now. The, remember the Bills played Detroit in that season? Maybe the Bills were winless middle of the season uh, and beat Detroit. Sean Hill, Bulldog, does that oh, sound like sure. Sean Hill was the quarterback? Yes, yes. I remember, I, remember Sean I was Hill with game. you. I think, I think I was with you in the studio for post game, and left sick. Yes, and I, I was uh, reprimanded. I was reprimanded because I did not inform everybody that we worked for that I I was leaving. Oh wow! I never. I you've never told me that. I do remember you mentioned yeah. Sean Hill, and I think I I feel like I worked alone that post game. But it was you were here and left. Yeah, that 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 adds up. I never knew this part about you getting in trouble for that, though. Oh yeah, the mm. the Bills beat Detroit that day to improve to one and eight. Yeah, in, in uh, twenty ten, I was probably upset because draft status and whatever. Uh, but enough about us. Let's take a break. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Who are you rooting for? Miami at Kansas City Saturday night, the Peacock game, and more on Bills Steelers. Your, uh, your fears, where you have the most confidence, anything on this game, we're here for it. Sal Capaccio at 5, and the Sabres tonight home for Ottawa pregame at 6. Mike Schopen, the Bulldog, WGR. Well, Gabe has a great sense of humor. I feel like he's staying positive throughout his process. We're just trying to win for him, and so he has something to play for when he can come back. Stefan Diggs may have just revealed that Gabe Davis, or he thinks Gabe Davis, will miss this game against the Steelers. That's been a pretty rare occurrence uh, for Davis and Diggs. Both of these two guys have been very durable for the Bills. Davis missed week two last year against Tennessee, kind of last minute. He was hurt in practice, if I remember right, and missed that game against the Titans. Came back week three in Miami and maybe just – was limited that day, Bulldog, if you remember. And there was an ankle. That ended up being. Yeah, all year, right? The ankle. It ended up being a story all year, like whether he was all the way uh, yeah. all the way back. But this year I don't know if he missed a game. 
Well, we'll see what it looks like, right? Like, in in Miami, they lost Davis pretty early and got through it. I mean, they had a they only scored twenty one points, fourteen on offense, but had a pretty productive game. Yeah, they moved the ball great. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know there's you know every, every team every week uh, ifs and buts and this play or that play. Uh, but man, I mean, the the yards they put up, how productive Allen was. You know, you just you had a, you had a drop in the end zone, you know, a couple near misses. They were very close to looking like a wagon going into the playoffs. I guess is all I'd say. And instead, it's just sort of like oh, the mistakes and red zone turnovers, and you're still concerned about that. Um, not to say that the carryover would matter anyway, but just we'd all be feeling like if they if they'd scored 38 points or something, uh, like Cook catches that one, Allen hits Diggs on the one long one he missed him on, and you win the game by 21 points, and you know we're we're sitting here expecting them to just you know, roll like they did in 21 going into the playoffs. As I say, that can't happen anyways. Uh, I think the signs are good. Like the, they're trending to me. I saw enough from the passing game to feel like they they found what they were looking for, if indeed they were searching at all, instead of just, you know, maybe they were just happy to hand the ball off. Uh, certainly were in the Dallas game uh, when they, they, they trampled them with just really their running game and very little from the passing game. I think you're going to need it all, and um, I think it's all at their disposal, the injuries notwithstanding, right? I mean, it, like I said, it doesn't sound like Davis is going to be available for this game. Uh, but hopefully it's a game you can manage to get through without maybe a few key guys, right? I mean, he's not the only one who's not practicing so far. Rasul Douglas is is still on that list. Taylor Rapp is still on that list. There are others, uh, but those might be the, the, the biggest names and maybe the most, you know, the guys you're counting on the most and hoping they'll be healthy should the Bills win this week and move into the divisional round. Would you take a one-point win? Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I could not care less about style points at this point. Uh, all just, just, win, just find your way to win these games. <laughs> that, that's it. Find your way to win these games. I don't know. You know, the the we'll decide. I guess maybe we'll decide afterward, like we often do, uh, whether this team is is loose or tight, feeling the pressure or whatever. It would make sense to me if. For, and it's convenient because it's positive. The year they've had, I don't want to say they should be treating this like found money, but they were, you know, they were in pretty tough. You mentioned it earlier, right? What were we talking about? Thirteen percent chance to make the playoffs at one point, maybe at their lowest, five and five, six and six at the bye, and to be the two seed and facing what what they could be facing. I mean, I think it's it's the best opportunity they've had these four years where they've been a real contender for the Super Bowl. And and that, that's the conference and what the conference looks like at this point, too. Um, you know, it's not to say, like, Baltimore will be easy, but I think going to Baltimore for a potential AFC title matchup is not the same thing as going to Kansas City in 20 or 21. It's just, it's not, it's not as daunting. Um, let's not say that you got, you have to win the game or something. Uh, they'll, they'll be an underdog, I think, if they get to that game. Most likely, almost, would you say definitely they'd be an underdog if they get to that game? I think so. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I mean, injuries notwithstanding, Baltimore could get the Browns and really struggle, win 13-12 to 12 or something like that. And if the Bills dominate Kansas City, that would that would smush that a little bit, that mm-hmm. line. But the, the Ravens, I guess I'm guilty of going back and forth on this a little bit. Like, 
it might not seem as daunting to you right now to have, to, or for many fans, mm-hmm. for the Bills to have to go to Baltimore compared with Arrowhead two and three years ago. But probably the Ravens have had a better season than the Chiefs did either of those two years, especially the second of those two years. Like Baltimore had an outstanding season everywhere. And so they might be a better team. It's just the specter of Mahomes. Right. Like, that. that's that's really why I didn't want the Bills to end up going to Kansas City so badly uh, this week because you just know what he's capable of, and they could go like they kind of did, 17 games without hardly at all looking really good offensively. But you know it's possible with with Kansas City. And I would say this, too, separately. Think about, like, this this time of year, this everything is on the line now, and all the different, um, all the speculation and all the different things we talked about all year, really just coming to a head these these few weeks. Bills, Ravens, I would say this about Dallas, maybe San Francisco, maybe even Philadelphia. Like, remember the day we were talking, and how I think it was Bill Barnwell. He was asked to predict in a some sort of ESPN piece how many Super Bowls Mahomes wins. And I think he said five. And you and I were just, okay, well, let's see. How many is that for Burrow? How many is that? <laughs> how many does that leave for Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, like all the other top quarterbacks? And so Kansas City is not dead. Like they're they're still in it. But it's got to you can sort of smell it if you're Jackson or Josh Allen or yeah. or Prescott. You like, got it, yeah. You, you might not have to deal with them. I think you have to take advantage. Part of the reason why I, I keep saying it that the the, the 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 path is as clean as as it's been in these four years. Burrow not being there, I mean, is a part of that. I mean, the Steelers, you know, are in the playoffs here. Maybe that's the Bengals <laughs> instead if Burrow doesn't get hurt. And you know that you know they had an uneven year, and he did miss some time or whatever. But you know they they squeeze in, and they're coming here in week one. That's a whole different thing, man. <laughs> it's having one of those kingpin quarterbacks out of the mix entirely is um, yeah. You, you don't want to you know you don't, you don't want to you don't want to miss that train, man. Like you've got a chance here with with someone who's kind of. You know, well, not kind of. They they flat out have been a problem. I mean, they they handled the Bills twice last year. Well, once last year, once this year, they didn't get to finish the first game. Um, but it, it's just that that's advantageous. And you know, the whole conference can be feeling that way. But the whole conference hasn't been the Super Bowl favorite or near enough a Super Bowl favorite the Bills have been, and the whole conference doesn't have Josh Allen as their quarterback. You know, you still do have to deal with Jackson. Maybe you'll have to deal with Mahomes. Um, you know, probably you have to deal with one of them. I can't imagine a scenario. I mean, what Miami goes and beats Kansas City and then goes into Baltimore and beats Baltimore, and I'm hosting Tua and the Dolphins in the AFC title game. I mean, okay, it could happen. Uh, but more you would than take that, yeah, I would take that. Uh, but more than likely, you're going to play at least one of them, maybe both. You know, Kansas City, you know, they, they, they're home and Miami traveling there to play in that weather. I mean, good luck to them. Uh, so, you know, the, the the lines the betting lines right now tell you you're going to see Kansas City and that you'll see Baltimore, so you you're going to have to knock off two of the three. But if you had to do all three, man, oof, that would be really tough. Kansas City up to four and a half point favorite 
frigid temperatures and wind Saturday night, the Peacock game, Miami at Kansas City. Uh, Bill sitting at a 10-point favorite against the Steelers, and they and we might have our own weather to deal with. It seems increasingly likely as we get closer to Sunday. Sal Capaccio coming up at 5. Sal tweeted an update on some speculation earlier today out of Pittsburgh that the game Bill Steelers could potentially be moved to Cleveland if the weather is just that bad. But Sal and other reporters have said that there are no plans for that and even that uh, maybe teams, the Steelers, I saw somewhere too, like they've not even been notified of that possibility. When Bulldog and I talked about it, it was when would that call be made? Because this sounds like a weather thing that's going to come up Sunday morning or it isn't. And you're not going to have both teams in the stadium and then tell them that the game's actually being moved to Cleveland. (laughs) They're not going to move the the starting time of this game. You know, it just didn't really uh, make too much sense when we talked about it earlier. So, Sal, coming up, you can reach us at 803-0550. We've got the Sabres home to Ottawa tonight. Mike Shope and the Bulldog here, WGR. Welcome back. Bills and Steelers Sunday at 1 on WGR. Sabres home to the Ottawa Senators tonight. Bill Belichick is no longer the coach of the New England Patriots. It does seem pretty likely he will be a coach somewhere in 2024. I wonder what happens with Mike Vrabel, who was kind of surprisingly ousted in Tennessee, because the betting markets seem very confident that Jared Mayo will be the next coach of the Patriots. I just saw from Bet Online there's been sharp line movement just mm-hmm. in the last few hours about that. Mayo was sort of called the coach in waiting behind Belichick in New England, and apparently people seem to think that is what they're going to do. Where does that leave Vrabel? Does some team like the Falcons or some team that what is? Would you rather have Belichick than Vrabel? I don't even know. I don't think I would. No, I definitely would rather have. I, I would rather have Vrabel than Belichick. Um, so if the two of them are out there, like if if the betting markets are correct, because I, I I would have just assumed as soon as there was any noise about, it, and it started before Tennessee's game last weekend that there was maybe something, and there's been a lot. Some I think Diana Rossini's had a lot of in depth writing about what what happened there and why ownership sort of soured on Vrabel um, and his relationship with the Patriots is maybe at the center of it. Uh, I, I would have guessed, like, as soon as I started seeing that Saturday and into Sunday before the Jaguars-Titans game kicked off, like, oh, Vrabel's coaching the Patriots. That, there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind. They're going to eventually move on from Belichick. However they announced that, they got around to that today, and I would have just bet heavily that Vrabel would be the guy there. And, you know, maybe not. And if he and Belichick are vying for jobs, maybe even the same jobs, that's super interesting and I would definitely take Vrabel over Belichick. And, and I, you know, I recognize what Belichick's accomplished. I, I just, I, I think he, he, his ways, even though Vrabel like basically learned at his knee here, um, I just think Belichick is, it's, it's, it's late for him. Um, as I say, he can't win somewhere if he gets somewhere. But I don't know. I wouldn't want to trust him to groom a new young quarterback or. Like you know, get the wheels in motion for for my team to become a contender uh, at this point because I just don't I don't know, I don't know that I would want to trust him, and I know that sounds crazy because of how decorated he is, but I don't know I I wouldn't want to do it. 
Um, I would take Vrabel over him 10 times out of 10. The teams where I think if I were a fan of those teams, I could relax and even enjoy having Belichick as my coach are the teams that have just never had that kind of clout where their head coach was a star, really. The Chargers qualify for that. Mm-hmm. I wonder, too, like, so Belichick is in this place now in his in his legacy and career where it's the, the Brady argument is hard to outdo. Like, before he had Brady and then after, his teams were almost always average at best and sometimes terrible, like, like this year. So he could go to L.A. and take on Justin Herbert and maybe make that work, and I don't know how much it would change. I don't know if Justin Herbert is Tom Brady exactly. At least he's somebody, unlike Washington and Atlanta, where you're in the market. I remember, too, talking to Mike Giardi a few weeks ago on an afternoon here, and he, he brought up, I think it was maybe someone else talking about Belichick, even maybe Urban Meyer said this. I'm trying to remember the conversation, but he said how Belichick only wants to coach with people that he wants to coach with. Like he's sort of at the the point of his career, this goes back a few years, where he just wanted to have, I don't know, if you will, cronies Uh on his staff. And he's kind of done that with O'Brien and Joe Judge and Patricia. Mm -hmm. He's kind of done that. So if he goes to L.A. or anywhere, are those his assistants again? Like, if I'm a fan of those teams, that would not excite me. No, right. That's part of the reason why I would favor Vrabel over Belichick. I, I just think it's just more more current, and there's less. I know, I know there are six Super Bowl trophies in the baggage, but I feel like there's baggage uh, with Belichick. And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Josh McDaniels changes that. Like If he goes with Belichick to, to the Chargers, maybe that's pretty enticing to them uh, because that's maybe the marriage offensively for Belichick that's worked the, the best, the most success. But, of course, that was almost entirely with Brady. Um, so, you know, you still have that, but that could that could excite the Chargers. The thing about the Chargers for this to me is, I don't know if, if, if this will trip a wire with you or if it already has and you just haven't said it yet because uh, I don't think I've said it yet, but them – Maybe pursuing Bill Belichick trips wires for me with the Bills late in the going uh, with 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 Ralph going after Mike Shanahan right like uh, ten million dollars whatever it takes we'll do whatever we need to do back you know this is I don't know how what is this fifteen years ago now maybe longer um, you know they were big game hunting and because they'd never really had that guy either. Like, I don't know. It seems like too much of a mom-and-pop shop to me, if you can refer to an NFL franchise that way, to get Belichick into the boat. L.A. does? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But it could happen. I maybe. mean, they, they may, maybe they can – the match, maybe the quarterback, and if he can bring someone he trusts with him, like, like a McDaniels that appeals to them, uh, then maybe they could pull it off. But I don't know. That It still would surprise me if he ended up in, in L.A. Yeah, I just I I don't think there's a a team when I think about this with you like I I don't think there's a team that if I rooted for it I would want that I would want him just it's I just I feel like everybody hates them has hated them all the winning just his style and all the controversy scandal stuff too you tell me my team that's never won anything is getting Bill Belichick and his buddies to be assistant coaches I think I would change teams just uh, <laughs> so gross. Give give me Bobby Slowick. Give me Ben Johnson. Give me the next, 
young offensive coordinator that makes sense as somebody that if I pair him with a quarterback, even if I already have Justin Herbert, that I can really see, you know, a, a, a run of success. That's what I want. Not Belichick is three years maybe anyway, tops. I don't know. Just good luck to him. Sal Capaccio after sports. Mike Shope and the Bulldog, WGR. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 